Good morning, everybody. How are you doing today? All right. Good to see you guys. Listen, how many of you have ever seen Sesame Street? Anybody? Come on. Don't be a hater. Come on. I've seen. Okay. Thank you. We're too good to watch public TV. We had cable as a kid. Okay. Rich people. All right. Well, anyways, Sesame Street is always brought to you by a letter, a number, right? Well, today I'm going to preach this message. This message is brought to you in honor of butter chicken, which my wife is making for lunch afterwards. And it's Indian dish. Uh, How many of you are familiar with butter chicken, chicken makani? Come on. So I I told her I'm going to preach this message in honor. This message is brought to you in honor of that lunch I'm going to consume. So I'm not going to mail it in today. Normally I come up here and I just kind of like think on the fly, put something together. But today I'm going to really go for it. How does that sound? I thought that joke would go better. I'm going to be honest with you, but, but I'll, I'll improve from here on out. Man, I'm excited to be in church today. I'm excited to be here with you guys, excited because we're, we're in a powerful series called Clean Slate, and we're just celebrating the fact that our God is not just a God of second chances, but he's a God of chances and chances and chances, uh, and also that he wants to take our past and wipe it clean, wash it away, and give us the future. We're, you know, we're, we're talking about the fact that your past, where you've been, what you've done, does not have to disqualify you from a future with God. And he's so merciful. He's so good. I just, I think a lot of people that don't uh, think that they want a relationship with God or think that they don't want a relationship with Christ have actually been exposed to or introduced to the wrong version of God. Uh, A version of God who uh, is looking to smite or maybe is uh, judgmental. Um, People maybe have an upbringing or they went to church years and years ago or maybe sometime recently and the perspective of God that they were given was not the God that we see revealed to us through Jesus, not a God of mercy, not a God that wants to give a clean slate. But I'm here to tell you today, if you're here and you're like, man, I'm just checking this thing out with God, you're only going to hear good news today. The gospel means good news. And so what I'm going to share with you is the fact that God loves you so much. And we talk about the fact that God loves you so much, your, his stomach hurts. Uh, he loves you so much. And he sent Jesus to die on a cross for you and for me to save us from our sins so we can be part of his family. And it's not, and so then if you do X, Y, Z, you're in with God, or if you add this, this, and this, no, that's the gospel is that Jesus came to save sinners. And so if you're a sinner, then you qualify to be saved. Now, if you think you're already all good without God, then you don't qualify, right? So whether you're religious, well, I've been at church for 25 years and I stand in my own thing and I've, you know, I was saved back then. No, you're either, you're either saved by the grace and the blood of Jesus always forever. Come on. It's a continual thing or you're standing on your own two feet, but you can't have it both ways. All right, I haven't even opened this thing up yet, and we're just going for it, just going for it. I'm excited to be here, though. I'm so glad you're here, and I appreciate that you're here. But we're talking about fresh starts. How many of you are are grateful for fresh starts? Like, I remember this one phase of my life, and I know we all go through this. You know, you kind of have some problems. (laughs) For me, it was that awkward phase between 13 and 30, right? That phase. (laughs) that we all go through. And, and I remember being like 12, 13, 14, and you're growing into your body. For me, I was mostly growing horizontally. And I, and I realized when I was like in my 20s that when my mom said I was just husky, that meant something other than what I thought. Because I thought husky means like manly. No, husky means chunky, right? And so I think Oshkosh Bagosh, remember that? I think they actually had husky size. And we know God is against Huskies. He's, he's against the Huskies. <laughs> Not people, but that team that shall remain unnamed to the north of us. 
But I, I, you know, I was, it was kind of awkward going through that phase. But I remember when I hit like 16, 17 years old, I started to go a little bit more vertical uh, rather than just all horizontal. And acne start, stopped appearing on my face at random on a daily basis. How many of you know being a teenager is just scary? It's like going through Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde on a daily basis. You wake up one day, you're like, I'm beautiful. The next day, oh, I'm hideous. And uh, it's a scary time in life. And so I remember I hit 16, 17, and I, I was looking pretty good for the late 90s, you know, early 2000s. How many of you know the style was so good? I didn't actually do the frosted tips, but that was big. And, but I had the spike tear. I had the little necklace, the little choker. You know what I mean? Yeah. Could have fit into NSYNC or one of those. Um, I was really into, my, the friends that I had were really into skater clothes. So I thought wearing skater clothes was cool, but I couldn't afford skater clothes. So I had like knockoff skater clothes. So, uh, you know, skater clothes are meant to make you look like you're homeless, but I actually looked homeless because of the clothes. Anyways, eh, I had a bowl cut. Anybody remember that? That was a little earlier, but bowl cut was actually putting a bowl on your head and shaving all around in a circle. So you look like a page boy. Yes, my old, you know. Uh, but that was cool. So anyways, I hit 16 or 17. I was looking really fresh, allegedly, I thought, you know, and I, I grew up in a, the Christian, you know, Christian church, and I grew up as a pastor's kid. So you don't get more subculture than that. Christian subculture. Some of you were like, Christian subculture is weird to me. It's weird to Christians too. And I grew up in that. And I, and so we had the whole courtship thing and I kissed dating goodbye you know what I mean? And so it was like relationships don't do that way and all this. But I was trying to kiss dating hello, but nobody wanted to kiss me back. So it didn't work. Um, and so I, you know, I had some girls I liked pursuing, but nobody ever, you know, reciprocated. Um, their loss, right? And uh, <laughs> my wife is laughing over here on the front row. It's good thing I have a confident person. She's dying laughing over here. We need to have a conversation. Anybody free for marriage counseling this week? We're not doing it. We're taking it. Yeah, we're receiving it. But uh, I was like 17, 16 or 17, and this girl, I remember she, she wrote a note, and it was passed through intermediaries, very diplomatic channels, came to me, and it said, do you want to go out? <laughs> I said, no. <clears throat> because first of all, I felt guilty about it, but second, I wasn't that into her. But I was happy to be asked. You know, I was happy for a fresh start. How many of you like, appreciate this when you sort of graduate from awkward phase and then somebody is like, I, you actually are halfway decent looking and smelling. You know, for teenage boys, when you hit 18, 19, you start taking a shower every day, like you, you kind of graduate out of this phase of being yucky. And I was really thankful that I wasn't held accountable for the way I had looked and smelled and acted leading up to that point. But I was now being judged or being received uh, with a fresh start. And I was really grateful for that. Now, listen, you probably know where I'm going with this, but God wants to give you a fresh start. Regardless of where you've been, what's gone on in your life, uh, he's, he's brought you to this moment and probably lots of moments before to give each of us an opportunity to respond to him and his grace and his mercy and say, God, I'm gonna, I'm gonna take what you have for me and begin to walk with you. In Isaiah chapter one, verse 18, we've gone through this verse a few times, I think in the, in the series already, but this is God speaking to the people of Israel. Uh, he says, come now, let's settle this, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, I will make them as white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, I will make them as white as wool. Now, what's being described here is a total and utter mess. If you have kids under the age of 10, you know what a total and utter mess is. We, Bethany worked for like two straight days to clean up their room. It took them about 10 minutes to do what took her two days to undo uh, in their room. And then the kids were like, yay, we cleaned our rooms. And Bethany was like, <laughs> 
you stop right now. I'm about ready to be um, childless, you know, because I'm going to kill you because you, you did not clean your room. Uh, but they had created a total and utter irredeemable uh, mess. I mean, just, just chaos. And that's what God is describing here, though your sins have dipped you, uh, your, this garment of your life into this dye, and now it's saturated through all the way. You know, you can't get that stain out. God is saying, listen, what you cannot do for yourself, I will come and I will do for you. What you cannot do for yourself, I will come and do for you. I will make you new. I will wash you white. I will purify you. I will cleanse you. And maybe you're here today and you're like, Pastor Jake, this is like my life. I've gone too far. I, have, I am irredeemable. I've done too much. I've hurt too many people. I've hurt myself. I've hurt you, God. Maybe you've even been at a place in your life where you were directly in opposition to everything that you knew God stood for, stands for, and you feel like this coming even here today, like, well, I've gone too far. There's no way for me to be reconnected with God. Or maybe you're coming here today and you feel like you've gone too far, but you're just like, maybe there's a chance for me. Well, I'm here to tell you that the gospel, the good news of the kingdom, the good news that I'm here to tell you today is that you can't go too far. You cannot go too far from God. That, that his power and his love and his mercy is for you. And God wants to restore you and make your life brand new. And that's exciting, isn't it? God doesn't want to give you like St. Vinny's style, you know, restoration. Nothing against St. Vinny's. I like St. Vinny's. I go there. But how many of you know when, when on Christmas, you don't want to open up like a pair of shoes from St. Vinny's. You're like, thanks. They come with toe fungus. That's awesome. It's not even mine. It's someone else's. Thanks. No, you, it's something about opening up a brand new thing. And I think a lot of us feel like, well, if I come to God, I'm going to be secondhand. And that's not the gospel. The gospel is, no, when you come to God, his power makes you brand new. In the scriptures, it talks about the fact that he takes our sins and he puts them as far as away as the east is from the west. And some of you people that are like mathematic people, how far is that? How many miles? It, no, it's, it's a, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I knew it. There was always one, you know, I could see him back there furiously trying to calculate. Well, if the earth is this many circumference and the miles, and stop. No, it's a, it's a, it's a phrase, you know. He's saying it's, it's gone. It's, it's as far away as east is from west. God wants to give us a brand new start, a clean slate. He wants to restore us. Now, as we get ready to go into the, the message today, what I want to talk to you about is a story that Jesus told. And this is a really important story. You're probably familiar with it to some degree, but Jesus is so cool because he doesn't preach boring sermons. And I'm sorry if I've ever preached a boring sermon, and maybe I'm preaching one right now, and I don't know it, but you do. Forgive me. Um, but Jesus never preached a boring sermon. In fact, he told these amazing stories that connected with people, and he spoke to them in a way they could understand, in a way that they could connect with and apply the principles he was teaching. And I want to read you one of these stories that Jesus told, um, and we're going to just reflect on it because it shares the heart of God. It reveals God's heart towards sinners. And you got to understand the context of this. In the book of Luke chapter 15, we're going to look at this in verse 1. It says, tax collectors and other notorious sinners often came to listen to Jesus teach. Um, I don't have time to go into the whole reason why tax collectors were considered to be notorious sinners, but uh, they were very abusive and uh, manipulative and, and were abusing their position in this time period. So they were like hated and reviled. And the tax collectors and other notorious sinners would come to listen to Jesus teach, it says, 
And then verse two, it says, this made the Pharisees and teachers of religious law. These are the good people, the church people, the religious people, the, the people that have it all figured out, the people that are good with God, the people that, that know how to have a relationship with God, right? Uh, they, it made them complain that he was associating with such sinful people. And then they add this note, even eating with them, oh my. But this is a bigger deal than maybe appear, than it appears to us because we don't necessarily understand this culture. But in this culture, they had a very, very highly developed sense and system of religion and purification rituals and rites. And there was about 600 rules at this time. To be a good Jew, you had to keep these rules. And the Pharisees were like the, be the best of the best. They were like the Navy SEALs of uh, religious intolerance. I mean, these guys were like, really, really serious about it. And not always from a bad heart, right? They, they, the Pharisees always get lambasted like I'm doing, but honestly, they wanted to be right with God. They wanted to be clean. And so they see Jesus come along and now he's eating with the people that are definitely a mess, the notorious sinners. And this is the scenario that's going on. A bunch of people who know they're sinners, a bunch of people who don't think they're sinners, but know these other people are sinners who are complaining and it's in this moment that it says in verse three, so Jesus told them this story. And in Luke 15, Jesus goes on, he tells three stories. He actually talks about three lost things. He talks about a lost sheep. He talks about a lost coin. And then the third story, which is the one we're gonna read today, he talks about a lost son. And this is what Jesus says. He says to illustrate this point further, Jesus told them this story. A man had two sons. The younger son told his father, I want my share of your estate now before you die. So his father agreed to divide his wealth between his sons. A few days later, this younger son packed all his belongings and moved to a distant land. And there he wasted all his money in wild living. This word wasted is the word prodigal. We call this the parable or the story of the prodigal son. It means wasteful. It says he wasted all his money in wild living. About the time his money ran out, a great famine swept over the land and he began to starve. He persuaded a local farmer to hire him and the man sent him into his fields to feed the pigs. The young man became so hungry that even the pods he was feeding the pigs looked good to him, but no one gave him anything. When he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, at home, even the hired servants have food enough to spare. And here I am dying of hunger. I will go home to my father and say, father, I've sinned against both heaven and against you. And I am no longer worthy of being called your son. But his father said to the servants, quick, Bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet and kill the calf we have been fattening. Praise God, he's pro-barbecue. Come on, can I get an amen? We must celebrate with a feast for this son of mine was dead and has now returned to life. He was lost, but now he is found. So the party began. Now, I think this is interesting because most people, when they think about becoming a Christian, they think that means the party is now ending. But when Jesus describes what it looks like to get a clean slate, when Jesus describes what it looks like to come back to your father, the party is now just beginning. You see, maybe you're here today and you're thinking, you know, I, well, I, I want to be right with God, but man, being a Christian sounds really lame, really boring. And I, do I have to do that stuff you were talking about with like the lame music and the Christian subculture? No, thank God that even I'm out of that, that <laughs> phase. No, actually, when you connect with God, the party begins because you become reconnected with who you were made to be. And God begins to give you freedom to, to, to live your life out from under the burden of addiction and bondage. You begin to walk in the, in the confidence and the security of knowing you are loved and accepted and that you have a brighter future and a destiny 
ultimately with God. It's a beautiful thing. And the party's just starting. Unfortunately, a lot of people think that the, their time away from God was a party. And then, man, if I could just get through that and then I come, now I'm ready to sort of settle down and live a boring Christian life. No, that's, that's not what Jesus is trying to indicate here. He's trying to say, listen, in the face of everything this wasteful son, this wayward son has done, the father wasn't looking to be vindictive and make him pay for what he did. He, he was so excited and happy about the restoration of his son into his family that he, he laid out the red carpet and they had a feast and a party. And Jesus is telling us, this is the heart of God. Now listen, a lot of the details in this story are not going to pop out at us in our modern context, but we need to go back through and look at some of these things because I think it will deepen this for us to see the true ramifications and depth of what Jesus is communicating here. In verse 11, when Jesus begins to talk about this, he describes a father who's a, a, a landholder, a, a man who is prosperous enough to have possessions and land. He has two sons. And at this time in history, what you didn't have a credit card and you know Visa and, and MasterCard and a debit card, and you didn't go down and you know, uh, you couldn't just take money out of a bank. All of their wealth was in real estate, was in property and livestock and vineyards and all this kind of stuff. And what would happen is they lived off of this land. It wasn't like their wealth that they could just, uh, you know, again, go to the store and buy groceries. It was the livestock produced the food that they ate and the, the farm and the fields. And all of this was their, their living. And it was also the inheritance. And so it was very, very, very improper and insulting for this son to say, dad, I know that when you die, this will be my living, but I, I want you to give it to me now. What he was in effect saying and what Jesus listeners would have heard is this, dad, I wish you were dead right now. Jesus is describing a relationship that is so broken that this son would look at his father and say, basically, dad, I wish you were dead. And to add insult to injury, again, this is all real estate, real property, real livestock. So for this son to transfer these assets and this, this property into liquid uh, assets to go off into a foreign country and do what he's going to do, he would have to sell it to people around this. So it's adding insult to injury. Not only is he saying, dad, I wish you were dead, but now he's going to parade in front of the whole community what he's doing to his father. And every one of Jesus' listeners would have been like, what a scumbag. You see, when you listen to this story, we've all been conditioned because we've probably heard it before. We've, we we, we kind of know some of these ideas about forgiveness and grace whether you're a Christian or not, you're familiar with some of these kinds of concepts, but these people in this moment would have heard this and all they would have thought was that son deserves to be punished in the worst way possible. And so Jesus describes what happens to him and they're all like, that's right, that's what happens when you do the wrong thing. He goes off, he does his wild living. I don't know why that's wild, but that's what he did. <laughs> you know, da-da-da, da-da-da. My hand, it, Nikki took an Instagram in the last service. I was trying to give her more footage with that crazy hand. She got me doing some weird thing, but it's nice when people are pointing cameras at you when you're in front of a bunch of people. It's so like, it just makes you feel secure and confident in who you are. And then they post it on social media. It's, it's amazing. But the son goes and he wastes everything. And Jesus wants everybody listening to this story to, to, to see what a wretch this kid is, this young man. Not only does he take his father's inheritance and basically spit in his face and say, I wish you were dead. I'm going to take this, parade it around. I'll sell it. I'll go. I'll waste it uh, out here in the, the wilderness. But then this, this son, it all, it all goes totally out of whack. And he finds himself working in a Gentile land for a Gentile farmer outside of the Jewish community of faith. 
And he's in the lowest point that a young Jewish religious person could be in, which is feeding pigs. They're unclean. It's against the law of Moses. I mean, this is a bad spot. And all the listeners right now, the sinners and the Pharisees and everybody's like, yeah, that's what happens when you're, you're bad. And a lot of those sinners would have been sitting there listening to Jesus tell this story and they would have go, that's me. I'm the one that's prostituting myself. I'm the man that's a tax collector working for the Romans and basically robbing my brothers and sisters. I'm the person who is too far gone. I'm the person that's at my lowest. And my father is going to punish me. I'm out. I'm out of the community. I'm at my lowest point. And they would have heard Jesus say these words of the son coming out of his mouth saying, well, in my father's house, there's food and if I could just be a servant. And what Jesus describes is the human heart when we're faced with our own brokenness and fallenness is that there's something inside of us that says, if I could serve my way, if I realize that I'm so far gone and I'm so far out of line, what if I could just earn my way back in? I know I could never earn my way to being a son, but what if I could earn my way just to be a servant? And maybe you're here today and you're trying to show up at church and kind of get your life together because you think maybe God, just maybe, he will receive me and respond and I could just be a servant. I don't need to be like the guy preaching or like the person singing songs, but I could just come and kind of like be a part here. But listen to what happens. And Jesus just, he just blows it all up right here because he, he, he says something incredibly shocking. Here comes the son walking down the path and he's walking the walk of shame and he's filthy and everything that he had taken from his father is gone. And all he has is these rags and he walks up and what he probably expects is his dad to stand at the porch with a judgmental gaze and say, oh, you, who's right? Who's wrong? You, you came to your senses. But that's not what happens. In fact, the father breaks every paradigm that these Jewish listeners of Jesus would have understood, both the Pharisees and the sinners alike. And he runs at full speed to the son. He throws his arms around him and he says he kisses his neck. You know, he's hugging him. He's He's loving his son and he's rejoicing. And the son kind of in these broken words, you know, just dad, I, I, I've sinned against you. Dad, I'm trying to, he's trying to give his spiel. Maybe you came here today and you have a little spiel to give to me or to give to God or to give to somebody to say, oh, you know, I've been living a bad way, but, I, but I'm ready to change and all this kind of stuff. But the father doesn't even let him get his spiel out. He doesn't even really let him finish. He just says, son. He, he yells to the, the, the servants, quick, bring the finest robe kill the fatted calf, give him a ring, put sandals on his feet, cleanse him, give him a bath. We're going to have a party because he was lost, but now he's found, he was dead, but now he's alive. And do you know what? Every one of Jesus' listeners in this moment would have been like, what? That's not how God is. That's not how the father is. You have to do the right stuff. You, you can't take your inheritance and waste it and then come back and act like, oh, I can just be part of this party. That's not how it works. And Jesus says, that is how it works because that's the heart of God. That is the heart of mercy that your father will never let you come back as a servant. You can only come as a son or a daughter. Let me just tell you right now, if you came here today and you thought, well, I can earn my way or I can do some good things and I can be, a, you know, I could maybe get my way in with God or if I pray these prayers or giving the offering today or whatever it is, I'll earn some place with God. That's incorrect. You can only come in as a son or a daughter, which means you have full refrigerator rights my kid, I'm trying to get my kids to act more like servants. <laughs> but they refuse. 
they get up in the morning. Bethany and I are still asleep, you know? And I'm trying, Alexa, turn the light on, you know? I was trying to yell at my Alexa. It's the only servant I have in the house, you know? It's Alexa. <laughs> she does my bidding. Alexa, turn the light on, and Penny's right there, you know? Kids are always, why are they awake at four in the morning? Bug, I look like aliens. I think that's where most of these abduction stories come from. It's actually kids sneaking into other people's house. My kids look like aliens, you know, big eyes. Dad, I want a banana. I'm not even awake yet, you know? But there's no, there's no like, dad, I was thinking, you know, I woke up really early and I'm sorry to wake you because you, you look so peaceful and handsome in your <laughs> pose. But you know, dad, I was thinking that I could, you know, maybe clean a little bit and do some things from the house, some chores. And, 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 you know, I know you and mom work really hard for all the money that you provide all in this wonderful place. This is, I'm just dreaming up here. This is total fantasy of my children speaking this way to me. But actually, I don't want them to. You know why? Because they are my son and my daughters. They're my children. And they, everything that I have is theirs. Everything that, that is, is part of the family. And this is how you come to God. You can't come and say, God, you know, I'll just be your servant. I'll, I'll, I'll serve you and maybe earn my place. He says, no, you cannot. You could never earn it. You could never clean yourself up. There's nothing you could do to make yourself pure, to make yourself clean. Though your sins are like scarlet, I'm going to make them white as snow. You see, the beauty of what Jesus came to initiate, to inaugurate, to put into place was not a treaty with God where we did our part, God does his part. It was that God was gonna come and do his part regardless of what you do. And that if you put your trust and faith in him and not yourself, you can be saved. But you can't have it both ways. You can't be trying to earn your way. And so the father in the story says to his son, no, you can't be a servant. You're only my son. And so you're gonna get the robe of your sonship back on and the ring is gonna go on your finger, and we're gonna have a barbecue, so let the party begin. This father does something so profound, and it upends the view of the people of this time. Now, we have the benefit of looking back in history, so maybe it doesn't sound as shocking or audacious to us, but I actually wanna to propose to you today that it perhaps is more shocking than you think, because even as I speak this message today, many of you are probably still in your mind accounting and thinking, you know, I'm still adding something to the equation with God. But the shocking, audacious thing about what Jesus is saying here is that even in the lowest moment, the lowest place, the farthest place, like this boy, even from there, you've, you can't go too far and God wants to redeem you. But some of you might be thinking, oh, I've gone far enough. And that's where we're going to go next week. Because it says in verse 25, it says, meanwhile, it's kind of like one of those old radio programs. Meanwhile, back at the ranch. Oh no, Mad Dog McGruff put Miss Sue on the railroad tracks. <laughs> it says, meanwhile, the older son was working in the fields. So you got to come back next week to hear about him. Because some people think that they've gone too far. Other people think they've gone far enough. But listen, today what I want to proclaim to you is the beauty of the gospel message. What the father does is so incredible. And I just want us to get our minds and our hearts and just kind of try to put ourselves in this circle of people. You know, I don't know where they were, but I imagine they're sitting somewhere. It's kind of hot and dusty and they're sitting there and there's these people all around who know they've gone too far. And then there's some religious people and Pharisees and they're looking and they know these people have gone too far. And they all think that they know what they're going to hear. And Jesus gives them something totally different. They all think what they're gonna hear is that if you keep the rules and you do the right things, then you get good stuff. And what Jesus says is actually God is shockingly, scandalously merciful. 
your father is standing on the porch and he doesn't have a stern gaze and a warning and an I told you so for when you come back. He's waiting to run you down and chase you. You know, the minute you, you're, you, the, the, the hairs on your head come up over the horizon, that's all he needs. And he's running towards you to wrap you up and restore you to being a son or a daughter. And that's the beauty of the gospel message. Maybe you've heard the gospel before and it didn't resonate with you as being shockingly good news. Well, then it wasn't preached effectively or correctly. Maybe for you, the gospel is, if, you, if I do my part, then God does his part. That's not the gospel. The gospel is God does it all and we respond to it or we don't. But it has nothing to do with our effort or our earning. And when you come into the kingdom of God, when you come into the family of God, even if you're walking up today thinking, well, I just would be a servant. I mean, I would be happy with that. What God wants to do is wrap you up and say, you're part of this family. You get full refrigerator rights. You get to enjoy all the benefits and all the, the fruit of my labors on your behalf. Because Jesus isn't interested in just acquiring servants. He wants to bring in sons and daughters into the kingdom of God to restore us to who we were made to be. Now, maybe you're sitting here today and you're like, well, I'm already a Christian. That's awesome. I already follow Jesus. That's great. But are you the person who thinks that you still are in with God because you're, you're doing the right stuff? Or do you 100% trust in the goodness of the gospel message that you are actually still that boy that, that goes off and in that lowest place and you always are depending on the mercy of God? There's never a time when we should graduate from the gospel. Never a moment when we should lose sight of it. Never a moment when we should get bored with it or move on or go to higher things. There is no higher thing. It's the deepest thing. It's the greatest thing. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. That's the good news. And if it's not that good all the time for you, then you're starting to believe something else. When you look through the writings of the New Testament and the authors that are writing in there, like the Apostle Paul, as he goes from city to city all across the world and he's shipwrecked and beaten up and they get him stoned and not the fun stone, like different kind of stone, you know, and, and he comes back as a joke. Okay, religious people think it's okay. You know, this is a joke. But he's protecting and, and fighting for this scandalous grace, this grace and this mercy and this, per, this perspective of God that is so good and so much better than what most people think. And I'm sorry if you've ever heard a gospel that was less than amazingly good because it wasn't the real gospel and that's not the real Jesus. There was a debate between a Christian uh, scientist from Oxford named John Lennox and an atheist named Richard Dawkins. He's famous for writing the book, The God Delusion. Richard Dawkins was giving all the, the good reasons why this Bible thing and this God thing was just a big load of garbage. Well, God's genocidal and he's all these things. And some people look at the Old Testament, they're like, man, there's a lot of stuff in there. If you ever read it, it's pretty shocking. But he had a wrong perspective because he wasn't understanding the whole story. And so John Lennox just kind of disarmed this bomb by saying this. He said, Richard, I don't believe in the same God you don't believe in. Did you know that most of the problems people have with God have to do with the wrong thought or a wrong perspective about what he's like rather than the truth of the gospel, the simplicity that he's scandalously, shockingly merciful and good and he wants to give you a clean slate. And what we're gonna talk about over the next two weeks is the dividing line of when you are living in the gospel, when you're not living in the gospel because what it really boils down to is, is either you're a sinner in need of a savior or you are someone who's standing in their own righteousness and you're out from the presence of God. 
So whether you're a person who's, you know, perfect and goes to church every week and ties and loves all my sermons and likes them on Instagram and all that kind of stuff, you know, totally righteous, or you're somebody who's not, is actually irrelevant completely to the equation with God, which is, are you trusting in the mercy of Jesus and what he provided for you at the cross? So listen, today, maybe you're here and you're like, okay, Pastor Jake, this sounds really good. I want, I want Jesus. I want to receive the gospel, the good news, not not just some kind of cultural Christianity or religious Christianity or traditional or whatever you think it looks like. What I want to invite you to do is to encounter Jesus and let him teach you how to be a Christian. Let him do some things in your life. Don't don't reject Jesus based on something that you thought he was. Respond to him and what I'm telling you today that he is good and his gospel is good news. And if that's you today and you want to come to Jesus, listen, I just want to invite you to pray a prayer with me and the prayer does not make you a Christian and there's no magic formula or words. It's just you in sincerity in that place inside of you that decides to believe, receive, accept something that you believe that God actually sent Jesus to die on the cross for your sins. And that if you would accept him as your Lord and savior, he's gonna make you a new creation. If you will believe that with me today, if you pray that with me today, God is gonna meet you in this moment. Let's just pray it together, all of us. Dear Jesus, I confess my sins to you. I know I have fallen short of your standard, but I thank you for your grace and your mercy revealed to me at the cross where you gave your life for me and made a way for me to be a part of your family. I give you my life and I receive you today as my Lord and my Savior. In Jesus' name, amen.